Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Town Manager's Download, a podcast about local government and the town of Shrewsbury. Today's podcast is going to cover human resources and the Shrewsbury way, which we look really forward to talking about our own unique perspective on developing employees in local government. I'm Kevin Mizikar, the town manager of the town of Shrewsbury, and I'm joined by Principal Department Assistant Taylor Galusha. What's going on, Taylor? Mother Monday. Last Monday of January. Last Monday of January. How was the weekend? Um, I, <laughs> I had a relaxing weekend. I was disappointed with the outcome of the Bengals Chiefs game, but yeah, I was disappointed. I don't know how you games. feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have. Uh, so I used to live outside of Philadelphia. We lived about 30, 35 miles from the city when mm-hmm. we lived in New Jersey. So. I grew a strong disliking for the Philadelphia Eagles. So no offense to any Eagles fans, but everyone knows you're a little bit rough, hard to deal with. So, and then um, I'm not a Patrick Mahomes fan, so I'll throw that out there as well. So I'm a Joe Burrow fan. Yeah. Yep. And I'm obligated by, yeah, obligated by personal matters to like the 49ers. Mm. So, yeah, I can play top golf outside of a little outside of Levi Stadium. You could swing the club and you'd see like the stadium in the back. It's pretty cool. Yeah. They're in the middle of nowhere, just like kind of Foxborough is. Right. um, In the city. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll still watch the Super Bowl for yeah, the so commercials. Chiefs and Eagles in the <laughs> Super Bowl. There's the commercial you have to now watch after halftime. Did you see that? No. That's all I can provide. I don't know what's Do going to happen. It was a cliffhanger. Is it related to Taylor Swift? I don't think so. Okay. No. You would have seen it if it wasn't. <laughs> that, that's for sure. So my... Uh, family more than I, but my kids have been doing a lot of skiing. So you do any... You ski too? No, my parents no. used to ski. I wanted to try snowboarding, but I, I yeah, I've never been skiing or snowboarding mm. before. I I don't know if mountains, ice, and snow would mix well for me, but it's worth a That's shot. That's fair. <laughs> it can be fun and scary all at the same time. So it's, you're not getting any younger, so you got to get out there and try. Right. About that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. By next year, I will have gone snowboarding. Okay. I'm, wow. I'll set a that's, date. That's... By next year. Yeah. I, by 2024, I will have gone snowboarding. Got to get you some good wrist protectors because you yeah. need to be able to <laughs> carry on with your work the next day. <laughs> uh, we had a lot going on in Shrewsbury, too, the last uh, week or so. Right. Um, yep. It was uh, Kristen Lass has departed for her new position with the town of Westford, and um, we're in the transition period and thinking a lot about that. And we'll have some conversations with Christina about succession planning and mm-hmm. uh, Christina Ordunk who will be on for today's episode. So um, yeah, spent the last day of Kristen's tenure in Shrewsbury. She was at the MMA conference, which I attended and several of the select board members attended, which is a great gathering. Yeah. A lot of professional development opportunities in Boston. Uh, it was uh, two weekends ago at this point when um, it, was, it was rather good. A lot of people there, first time is back in person in three years because of COVID. So got to hear from the new governor and new lieutenant governor and their promises and plans as they go into their first budget cycle. So I'm optimistic about those things. 
a lot of conversations about housing and development, so, which is not surprising or new uh, with the new administration. But budget process is going forward as planned, and we'll be moving into the more public phase here in the next few weeks with the planning board. Uh, we'll make a presentation to both them and the select board before the end of February, and we've got a lot of work to do to get there because departmental budget submissions have come in a lot higher than I anticipated, which I shouldn't be surprised because of inflation and other things that departments want to do, but unfortunately we don't have all the resources that we need, but we never will, so mm -hmm. we'll be working through that process. Um, and then, of course, a couple big projects still moving through planning board, including the Patrick Subaru, Bach, New England at 701 South Street at the corner of Route 9, mm -hmm. the 1 through 7 Maple Avenue project, which I've been, I attended uh, the last meeting with that and been paying really close attention with a lot of people have uh, with that important project. And I really see a, a split between um, the vision and what can be in the town center and some concerns about um, parking and density, which I certainly appreciate and understand uh, those residents who thoughtfully uh, and professionally are able to talk about their concerns at planning board and send us emails, uh, which are all taken into consideration. Um, but I, you know, I still see that this project is a key in the revitalization of the town center. Um, we spent a lot of time working with residents to develop that vision. And part of this is really putting more people in the town center to build a mm -hmm. sense of place and have a critical mass and have foot traffic and think about things differently. So that's really the balance. If this was uh, you know, any old other project before we redid the zoning and rethought about what we want the town center to be in the future. I can understand the concerns um, would be more relevant uh, and specific to challenging this idea for this project, but I really think that this project idea meets the forward-thinking vision that we have for the town center and putting more people there and making it a, a place where folks live, dine, work, um, gather. So I'm for, uh, you know, interested to see how this will still play out. Um, the developer has requested a continuance, um, so they won't be at the meeting this Thursday coming up with the planning board. They wanna go back and uh, have a conversation with the select board uh, at the select board's request about um, the project plan mm -hmm. and what's been going on. So that'll be an interesting conversation coming up on March 14th at the select board meeting. So February. Excuse me, February 14th. <laughs> Don't go too far. Board. Yeah, way ahead, way <laughs> ahead. So, yeah, there is a lot going on. Um, and also in February, there's going to be a public hearing on the cable franchise agreement renewal. Mm -hmm. Chris but, did a good presentation at the board's um, January 24th, yeah, January 24th meeting. Yes. Um, Chris Roy, the general manager for Selco. Um, yeah, Definitely very informative. Yeah, folks should check that out. Um, this will be a new agreement, five years. Um, it really talk about meeting the future needs and future vision. It, it's a it's a plan that's a lot different than the past cable franchise agreements, as cable is becoming a thing of the past, and we yeah. have to look to the future. Um, and understand what those impacts are going to be as folks walk away from that kind of way of 
watching mm -hmm. TV and receiving content. So um, do our best to put a good agreement in place. I think the best that we can do on a fu funding, uh, from a funding standpoint, is really level funding, and yeah. level funding obviously provides challenges in and of itself. Everyone knows uh, things cost more, and uh, if our revenues are stagnant, then our operations are going to be stagnant and falling behind. So right. it's a small piece of our revenue, but it's also a, a challenging business environment, uh, the cable business. So, yeah, definitely um, changed rapidly too. Yes, Chris did a good job of illustrating that through pictures at the meeting. I would encourage everyone to go back and watch that meeting on from January 24th if they're interested in it. Um, things have really changed in the last 10 years, let alone uh, the last uh, 40 or so since we've had the cable yeah. franchise uh, in place. The first public cable uh, operation in the Commonwealth. I did learn that. At the meeting. In Shrewsbury, that's right. So we were on the cutting edge. Go us. Took us the whole way to the Supreme Court and back, too. There's a critical Supreme Court decision about uh, cable operations. Oh. Um, which Shrewsbury was involved in in the 1980s. The more you know. So tons going on. All right. How about we jump head first or feet first into the the meat of our discussion today about human resources and everything. And we'll start as we normally do with kind of your role um, as it relates to human resources. I think it's very common, um, becoming, becoming less common for town managers and assistant town managers kind of take on the human resources director role in addition to their responsibilities. So um, kind of how, what is your role as a town manager yeah. related to that today? Yeah, that's something that I do want to talk about, or we will talk about quite frequently today, is how local governments manage human resources, especially in smaller cities and towns. And historically, that has been uh, a role associated with a, another position, town manager, town administrator, and standalone human resources departments are less common than I think mm -hmm. folks would expect them to be. Uh, through the 1953 Town Manager Act, um, the town manager is appointed as the personnel director, and I think the most critical aspect of that is it keeps me uh, formally responsible for uh, the hiring and termination of employees. And that's a role that I think is still important, but um, as we've matured human resources over the last few years, um, my day-to-day -day role, and especially the town manager's day-to-day -day role as it compared to my predecessors continues to decline, which is, I yeah. think, uh, a good thing and, and is right given the size of our organization. So um, it's an evolving role, but yep, I mean, primarily it's, you know, I have the ultimate decision for most of the um, hiring and firing associated across all uh, municipal departments and, um, that includes police, fire, the administrative, DPW, but does exclude the schools and Selco. They mm -hmm. have their own authority, just like we talk about almost every episode, so. <laughs> um, and you, from your time here, you've also seen the structure of how our organization um, sits has changed a little bit. Um, kind of, do you wanna talk about kind of organizational planning, how the town got to where it is today? We've talked a lot about the changes 
over like the lifetime of Shrewsbury as yeah. a like town manager, yeah. select board, form of government? So from a complete and utter historic basis, I found it was interesting that I think the first town manager who was only in this position uh, for three years from 1953 to 1956 really struggled with how things were to work and operated. Mm -hmm. And then the longtime, uh, probably most notable uh, town manager, Dick Carney, um, in one of his first days, or perhaps even before he got to the town, he actually drew out the organization chart on a piece of paper, um, identified the roles of each position, whether it was the town meeting, the select board, or the town manager, um, and had town council sign off on it. So call it the Carney Org chart because we can't come up with a better name, name for, for it than that. <laughs> but it, it just goes to show the importance um, at that time of transitioning from the select board, having mm -hmm. a really, uh, the, the full control and authority over day-to-day -day operations and human resources and personnel management to shifting to the town manager. And it's, it's really critical um, and important to take a look at that org chart at that time to see how it was operated. And it, it was rather flat and has evolved a lot um, to where we are today. Um, Mr. Margado, the former manager, used a very similar organization chart the whole time. Occasionally he would have an assistant manager. Sometimes he had an assistant to the town manager. And I was really surprised looking at that org chart when I got here, the number of direct reports and uh, I was concerned about my ability to be effective uh, having, you know, almost 20 people report to me on a day-to-day -day basis across all the departments. So we changed that um, through a professional study that was done in 2018, uh, an organizational assessment. Uh, the critical component that came out of that was the creation of the Department of Public Works, which consolidated a lot of departments. I think it was uh, six or eight different entities into yeah. the single Department of Public Works, which um, obviously consolidated a lot of department heads into division managers and put them under the um, oversight of the DPW director. And, um, you know, that's the model that we've used uh, for the last five or so years and will continue to be the structure in general that we have going forward. Um, but each and every time a position opens up, we really look hard at what its responsibility is, how it fits in the organization, what we're going to do in the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we've talked about with Kristen Levin recently, uh, we've begun to rethink how the two assistant town managers work. Kristen was unique in both her tenure with the town and her skill set with um, planning and economic development yeah. and building inspector and then human services, which are two completely separate things. So we're rethinking that right now. And, and on paper in the future, uh, we're not worried about changing the org chart as a first step, but we wanna see what we can do best to implement the strategic plan. That, mm -hmm. that continue to be, be our key focus as we move forward. So I'm looking forward to how the organization may change and evolve, and I'm not someone that just wants to leave the organization in place. Uh, I wanna suit the needs of the community and utilize our employees as best as we possibly can, and that's what we're thinking about right now. And this kind of personnel organizational planning ties a lot to the budget because it does end up being a big chunk of that pie um, the operational expenses of the town right yeah it certainly has a direct relation um, and now it will tie into you know what those individual goals are but you mm -hmm. know um, 
personnel costs are the is the single greatest expense across all town departments, and I would include uh, schools in Selco into that um, as well. Selco, uh, as a part of the organization, has the smallest percentage of personnel cost the total budget. The school has the highest, and we're pretty high ourselves. So of um, yeah, pro I, I don't know the percentage, but say about 20 million of our 35 million on municipal operations uh, goes towards personnel. So a vast majority. So whatever we consider future costs when we hire additional employees or consider cost of living adjustments, things like that, most of that goes um, into personnel. And it's like kind of hard to plan for the future in local government just because of how I mean, I think previously people would come and stay for a while. Now it's a little bit more fluid. I know we'll get into this a little bit more with Christina, but that also makes it a little bit more difficult to budget for. Yeah, it's completely, yeah, completely different. I think that kind of era and generation of municipal employee um, is part of the, you know, silver tsunami or whatever you call it, the, um, you know, kind of the um, changeover in that. Um, set of employees is happening now and has happened in the last few years so we have a lot of new employees a lot of different motivating factors for this generation and mm -hmm. um, but a lot of opportunities for us to work creatively and retain them and build them and grow them uh, since there's been so much turnover and just HR in general local government is a little bit different like we talked about and we'll continue to talk about when I was right. in Middleton our assistant um, town administrator was also our HR um, director and that kind of causes maybe it's underutilized in smaller towns and cities mm -hmm. not the first top of mind yeah I think it, all of the time yeah I think it's probably it, it's a lot of both and some maybe the latter has more of an outsized role than people would think it's definitely a uh, you know it's not a frontline position yeah it's not something that uh, people can understand their impact as a resident on how HR would help them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think historically it's, it's, you know, town administrators, town managers haven't even proposed it because it's hard to make that direct linkage to how it's going to benefit taxpayers. But it obviously does. It's so important to right. the success of our employees, um, safety of our employees, the um, risk management for town and uh, its operations on a whole number of levels. Um, but since it's a it's a kind of a mission support, you know, it, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't get the recognition and funding and will always be one of the last things to get funded in a small town uh, as the organization matures. But we can definitely talk to Christina a little bit about that when she's on. And have you found in your career and just in general, like the importance of professional development, um, just oh yeah, from start to end? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we've really been focusing on uh, a lot more and putting resources in place. We've spent um, a good um, or put a lot of American Rescue Plan Act funds in place to really help speed our development. And as I mentioned at the uh, in the intro uh, about the Shrewsbury Way, and that's mm -hmm. what we've uh, named as our um, employee development program. You know, call it the Shrewsbury Way. Um, it's kind of us uh, taking responsibility for the development of our own staff and making sure that we have human resources in place 
that can support the needs of our residents because we mm -hmm. don't see it happening externally. Uh, that doesn't mean we'll do all the uh, programs internally, but it means that we'll be seeking out different training opportunities and sending folks off to have them be well-rounded professionals to meet our needs rather than assuming we're going to get that when we hire them. So it's critical to what we're going to be doing in the future um, through the Shrewsbury Way is developing it as we go. Um, and we want to make it one of the, as we always say, the best local government development program. So uh, we'll get into that, of course, uh, in some greater detail. Um, I, you know, it goes to stand that even small private sector organizations don't have their own training program, but mm -hmm. I think we're now a large enough public entity that we have the ability and expectation and requirements to um, partake on the partake in, in this type of support for our employees for our residents' benefit. Yeah, I feel like our office has always been super supportive of any sort of mm -hmm. training opportunities that we've had, and um, I think that's unique, but mm -hmm. it shouldn't be unique. I think it, it's more important that that comes, that line of thought becomes more common in local government in general, and one of the especially with the webinars that we have access to now. Right. One of the specific challenges that I see, and I know it's not unique to the public sector, but is is that general management training. Mm -hmm. Like we we're, we do a really good job of seeing and recognizing performance from the most technical, like you know, technical performance of staff members. Like are are you are you good at financial management? How did you support the budget process? You're the best assessor, you know. You're the you're the best um, engineer, but mm -hmm. but that doesn't always translate into leading other humans. Right. Right. So that's a, a critical part of what we're focused on developing leadership, developing management, and um, allowing that to help us move the whole organization forward. Um, now we can jump into our, gonna be our favorite, the day we get <laughs> question, please, <Right. laughs> um, our resident question segment. Um, you guys can email us at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. Uh, to submit any questions for our podcast, um, and they can be related to anything. We'll keep them till we talk about like a topic area that they relate to. If they're more general, we can we'll fit them into the next upcoming episode. But we'd really like to hear from everyone and engage with you in another way. Yeah, and even if it was a question about a topic, say you have an HR question that we're talking about today, still send it in because we can follow up in the next right. episode and and uh, make sure we touch uh, base with our guest before we come back and provide the best answer that we can. So TM download at shrewsburyma.gov. We'll keep it confidential on the air. Uh, public Records uh, Act requires that if you send us an email, it would be a public record, but we're not gonna uh, disclose who that is through the podcast. So we'll keep it confidential, but look forward to your questions or, or topic ideas that you may have. Um, I guess the only thing that really comes to mind because it bothered me is, you know, there was a question at the last town meeting uh, whenever, so um, like many other organizations that I've talked about, we're late in evolving human resources. Mm -hmm. So the fiscal year 23 budget, which we're in right now is the first time we had a standalone human resources department. And uh, I think with good intentions, a town meeting member stood up and said, well, if we haven't had human resources for 200 years, 295 if you want to be specific um, why do we need it now and um, 
it just goes back to you know what I previously said is that I understand where residents may not see a direct value and benefit like they see adding a police officer or a firefighter, but we're an organization of nearly 300 employees mm -hmm. um, and um, providing the right training, providing the right onboarding, providing the right personnel policies, providing the right benefits, all those things associated with human resources is exactly why we need a human resources department. Right. If we had 35 employees, um, my answer would have been no. But the fact is that we have nearly 10 times that amount and it's really essential. It allows me to do what I need to focus on right. on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. and not um, worry about uh, what our human resources director, Christina Ordung, uh, focuses on on a daily basis. So uh, we absolutely need human resources and we we'll look forward to this conversation. I think human resources in itself ends up being an employee benefit just with the support they offer. Um, I think burnout was pretty common from the pandemic and um, I think our HR team does a good job of mm -hmm. just supporting employees. Um, it's a good place right. to work. We probably wouldn't <laughs> they have make gotten, it a good place to work. We wouldn't work. have gotten through the pandemic as smoothly as we did if we didn't have an HR crew on board with us at that time. So uh, speaking of having an HR crew on board, why don't we bring Christina in? All right, so we are pleased to have Christina Ordung, the town's first human resources director, join us on the town manager download. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Great. We're happy to have you as well. So um, we always like to start off and learn about um, your path into local government and uh, your career path in general. So give us the download. What is what? How long have you been with the town and um, why did you choose this career path to end up as the director of human resources in Shrewsbury? So I've been with the town for a little over four years now. I began my journey in September of 2018. I chose, I think I fell into local government. I was attending the Eisenberg School of Business at UMass Amherst. And through my education there, I really realized I didn't wanna work for a corporation one day. I thought I would work in nonprofit or for a benefit corporation. And upon graduation, I took a job at a staffing agency so that I could pay my bills to get to my job sort of in a survival cycle. And I continued my job search and found myself with another community and really found meeting from my work, but that community was quite the commute away. Mm -hmm. And so when I found this opportunity in Shrewsbury as mm -hmm. the assistant to town manager, human resources coordinator, I applied. Mm. So and you're a Natick, right? I Spent was. Spent some time in Natick. Awesome. Nice mall. <laughs> nice mall. That's right. That's right. Um, so, Christina, we talked uh, in the first uh, segment on the episode uh, about, a little bit about, which I want to get into uh, now, human resources and how they evolve in local government. And um, you were the first, not only are you the first human resources director for the town of Shrewsbury, but you were the first mm -hmm. HR generalist position for the town. So talk about that. What was it like coming into the organization? Um, who hired you? How did we get through that process without having an HR department? So my understanding is, is that when the position was posted, it was because um, 
the assistant talent manager, Chris and Lass, was leading the human resources function, but it was really decentralized through department heads and it was becoming a full-time job. And so the town recognized that we needed a full-time role and you posted the position. And my interview process began with you, Kevin Mizakar, and Kristen Lass in what would soon become my office. That's right. <laughs> and so that was the first round. And it, I think you guys were really exploring uh, what my background was. And you were asking a lot of questions about um, state and federal laws and just um, exploring what my history was. And then we moved into a second round interview where I was interviewing with a variety of department heads. There was a member of the then Board of Selectmen and there was a member of the Personnel Board where you guys got a little bit more in depth and you had you know, that broad range of um, interested parties. And then I was invited to my third round interview. And so I arrived that day and you guys sat me in a room with a laptop with a page prompt and you said, you guys are going to create a pre you're going to create a presentation of what you would do in your first six months as the human resources coordinator. You invited me to speak with department heads if I had any questions for department heads, and you made the IT director available to me. And I created my PowerPoint, and then after those two hours were up, I was able to present my um, presentation to an even greater group of <laughs> department heads. Um, and I really thought to myself, you know, it's now or never, it's my time to shine. And I guess it ended up working out well because four years later, here I sit. That was intense. It was intense. I forgot about some of that. Pretty <laughs> evil back in the day. That's great. Yeah, I remember that. That was good. Um, so you came on board into this first centralized role. Um, what were some of the principles that, you know, you were thinking about when you came on board, you know, early in your career, uh, coming into a central HR role? Well, I really wanted to learn what you guys were doing then, what was working for you, and what your pain points were. Um, you know, if it's not broke, I wasn't going to fix it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really just wanted to see what the baseline was. And then I really wanted to make sure that we were being compliant, we were being legally compliant. Um, so one of the first things that I did when I got here is I took a question off of our employment application that had recently become illegal. We had instituted quarry checks for all of our new employees that were coming on. Um, so I was really just kind of assessing and diagnosing, I would say in my first six months to a year. And so all those things that were being done in part by a bunch of other people in the organization. How many employees do we have? We have 250 employees, but it swells to 500 employees with election workers and recreation staff. So throughout the course of the year, at any given time, we're probably always hovering around 300 or so. Um, and so that's the challenge for, for town managers and, and other administrators and organizations where, they, where there is no central HR function is you're pulled away from developing the budget because you have an interview with, you know, first, you know, some other position or, um, you know, you handle like first line, second line, third line um, challenges that employees may have, whether it's with another employee, with their job description, um, 
in those challenges could be things like, you know, are they fairly compensated? Are they classified, right? So th those things get spread and quite frankly, not done very well or not done at all if there's no uh, uh, human resources function. And, and too many cities and towns in Massachusetts and across the country, especially the smaller ones, don't dedicate the resources to really helping themselves overcome those challenges. So I was talking about a question that was asked at town meeting that you probably remember from last year that was frustrating for me. But again, I get it. I understand why folks could think this is discretionary, but I really don't don't see that uh, as um, being discretionary. But in your words, uh, what do you think uh, the importance is importance to human for of human resources is for the town? So we serve all town employees as an employee advocate and a management partner. So we have that sort of delicate balance and we're there to support employees for through the full employment life cycle. We're there with you for your first day, through your last day, with all the highs and lows in between. Um, so we touch upon classification and compensation, talent acquisition, all of the policies and procedures in the workplace change management, which you guys touched upon every time there's a vacancy and um, for many other areas beyond that, um, leave and absence management, employee relations, learning and development, like the new Shrewsbury Way, and benefits and health insurance, and um, those are just a few things. So what have you been working on in say the last three to six months Maybe especially, we talk a lot about the strategic plan. How do you think that's influencing your role? And, and you know, what have you, what have you been up to for the last few months? So in the different pillars of the strategic plan, I think the ones that human resources can draw upon most closely are exceptional and engaged and connected, mm -hmm. but that engaged and connected is internally facing. Um, so over the last three to six months, I've been really focusing on a compensation study for all of our non-union employees. So back when I first started in 2018-2019, we underwent a classification and compensation study for all of our non-union employees. And in order to keep that study relevant, we have to do a compensation study every five years. So I've been looking, working on collecting that data and analyzing that data so that we can make any recommended adjustments to our schedule. Something else that I've been working on is paid family medical leave. So the state of Massachusetts now offers paid family medical leave. And in order to stay relevant and competitive, it's something that we need to bring um, to our community. Um, Shrewsbury actually has a leg up on a lot of other communities because we're already serving employees, um, I would say for more than half of the leaves that people take because mm -hmm. through our sick leave plans, we have a built-in disability benefit. And so um, that piece we're already covering. The piece that we're missing is family leaves. Mm. So, um Human resources obviously going to continue to evolve and there'll be times of hiring and, and times when we're doing less hiring, um, just as the economic uh, changes ebb and flow. But what challenges, especially recruitment challenges, um, have you seen? I know there's a lot generally talking about the country and how uh, 
employers are searching for employees and their skill sets that employees are employers are missing that they want in their employees. So what have you seen from your position and, and is there anything that the town has been doing specifically to address some of those challenges? Definitely. So you guys touched upon the silver tsunami earlier in this podcast. There's a ton of retirements that younger baby boomers are reaching that retirement age and there just hasn't been another generation that has been as large as them. So it's going to be a very long time until that gap in the workforce is refilled and with them retiring is institutional knowledge that we just cannot replace. Um, selfishly, it's been a great opportunity for mm -hmm. myself. We've hired a Selco general manager, a police chief, a town accountant, a town clerk, um, to name a few, but there's been a lot of other leadership positions and other important positions in town that have become vacant due to retirements. Um, we're working on succession planning throughout our organization by asking department heads to complete five-year staffing plans and to continue to evolve those plans um, as they have a vacancy or as they see trends in other local governments or even as technology changes and their needs in their department change. Um, and we hire for a really diverse range of positions, everything from financial positions to um, water treatment plant operators to police officers. Um, some of those skill sets are becoming more rare, like water treatment plant operators are extremely hard to come by, whether you're in the public or the private sector. Mm -hmm. And some um, positions are becoming less desirable due to current events like um, working in the police department. And so those have been very challenging recruitments. Yeah, I mean, I see that. I see a lot of changes in the police department. Um, uh, or, you know, we post, so one of the things that makes uh, the water treatment plant uh, positions so hard is because they have very high level sophistication, very high level licensing and you know, if you, you know, folks may initially question that, but, it, you know, everyone just takes a simple step back and say, well, we're pumping, you know, hundreds of millions of gallons into people's homes every day, which, you know, they're going to consume. Well, we have to have the right people in place with certifications and requirements mm -hmm. and know chemistry, know how to operate the plant, know what happens whenever um, levels change and, and um, adjustments need to be made to make sure our, our water is clean, potable, healthy, something, you know, uh, that we can all be proud of, which we've worked on a lot over the last few years. Um, so with those skill set gaps that we're seeing um, in a lot of positions, we've been working a lot on something called the Shrewsbury Way. Mm -hmm. So what what it, what is the Shrewsbury Way? and what have you been uh, working on to that end and where do you think you'll take us in the next few years? So my vision for the Shrewsbury Way program is to create a really robust training and development program that touches all of our employees. So we can begin with sort of the first tier, which is foundational training for all employees from customer service to conflict of interest, harassment training, just those basic trainings that we want to arm all of our employees with to help them succeed. And then I'd really like to go on a department by department basis and understand from those department heads what their what specific topics that their employees need to be well versed in. Um, 
it's going to be different for the police department than it is going to be for a financial department. And then I'd really like to drill down into individual positions. Um, we're lucky that in Massachusetts, we have really great um, statewide resources. So we have the Massachusetts Municipal Human Resources Association that can provide great foundational training for employees um, for dispatch and the police department. They have the unique opportunity to work, look nationwide at other communities in Massachusetts, but also to the private sector. Um, so I'd really like to create this master training document for all town employees um, that will help us get new employees up to speed sooner and also help us with budgeting. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we approach um, staff development really seriously and we try to do it in a number of different ways. Um, so we bring consultants in and do small group training. Um, we send folks out to programs. Taylor, why don't, why don't you just take two seconds and talk about your finance seminar that, that you're currently doing right now and how that's been working out? Yeah, so I'm taking the Massachusetts Municipal Association's um, financial management um, seminar. So it's five Fridays, um, started in, at the new year and then it'll end um, in two weeks. Or yeah, I have this week and the next week. Um, it's 10 four hour sessions. So I go from nine to, oh no, 10 three hour sessions. Mm -hmm. I go nine to 12 and then mm -hmm. one to four um, covering like different topics. So. We have pre practitioners and those of that have retired um, teaching us about different areas of financial management in municipal government. We did assessing last week with um, John Steinberg over in Westboro. Mm -hmm. um, we had um, town accounting, a little, we did two sessions of that. We're doing HR next week. Um, so we, it's just been a lot of good I guess it's it's, they've used practical examples to help teach us, but um, it's given me more exposure to that financial aspect that I took a course on it when I did my master's, but obviously you need to keep learning and learning is probably the most important thing to progress in your career, whether that's from a textbook, a class, or just working day to day. So um, super excited to be doing that. Um, I know a few others have done it in the past, and I think they do a good job giving a in ten or five weeks doing that much content for us. So, so a few employees have taken that uh, seminar, and then there's uh, another seminar that's put on by Suffolk University for a certificate program in local government management. We've had several employees um, take that. Christina, we do a lot mm -hmm. of work when we think about trying to give employees the right skills to move from their technical or administrative level positions into a higher level uh, supervisory leadership position. So I think there's, I can think of three, but you may think of more uh, different programs and approaches that we use uh, in that area. Could you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. I think our sort of entry level supervisory management leadership training is the effective leadership development class hosted by Mark Way. We have sent a lot of employees to that class and I think it serves them um, throughout 
their employment here and beyond, whether they're emerging or existing leaders. And then sort of our second tier is the supervisory leadership development program that's hosted through the Massachusetts Municipal Human Resources Association. Um, and that class gets a little bit more in depth. It talks about managing union employees, which a lot of our um, public works supervisors find to be helpful. Um, and then we have the newly created Shrewsbury Way Academy Leadership Edition with John Wortman. We're actually going through our first cohort now, I think, this week is our ninth session with him. Mm -hmm. um, and so that has been really interesting. We're asking department heads and managers to critique this class, give us feedback so that we can continue to involve, evolve it and improve it. Yeah, so that class includes 16 one-hour sessions that all um, department leadership members are participating in. And we've mm -hmm. gone over topics like, um, you know, given public presentations, given employees feedback. Um, and what are some of the other topics? Um, effective goal setting, motivation, conflict resolution, effective meetings. Right. I think one of the things that I've gotten out of it that I'd like to highlight is um, learning more about my colleagues and mm -hmm. how I can work more effectively with mm -hmm. them. For instance, I know um, I could talk in circles with one department head and I should definitely bring an agenda to that meeting. Mm -hmm. And I know that with another colleague, they're definitely going to want me to get to the point. So I'll give them all of my supporting information later if they ask for it, but I'm just gonna get to the point with my ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really a good program. I think it provides a lot of foundational skills that uh, local government leaders need and um, so the Shrewsbury Way is really a suite of programs that we're using to take responsibility for the development of our own staff and it will continue to evolve and we'll add products and features to meet specific needs or general mm -hmm. needs and uh, strive for uh, all the goals that we look to achieve. So um, as we think about local government we know we have a lot of similarities to private sector businesses, um, but also a lot of differences. Um, but Christina, can you talk to us a little bit about the complexity of, of HR and local government and maybe a little bit about the benefits, compensation, retention packages, and how they may differ than our private sector counterparts? Definitely. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is that our budget process through town meeting is so accurate. What we present at town meeting is what's needed exactly by each department. And so when we have a resignation or a retirement, um, we, we may have trouble pivoting. Um, we often don't have the opportunity to provide retention increases if we have a great employee who's looking to move on to another opportunity and we would love to retain them. but. Um, we don't have the budget flexibility to do that. Um, we also don't have the ability to pay large bonuses like the private sector may have, um, but there are some trade-offs there. So um, we recently did a survey for our, amongst our employees um, to find out how we could improve their work environment here in Shrewsbury. And a huge percentage of them said that they found meaning from their work. And that was one of the reasons why they wanted to stay in Shrewsbury. Um, and so, like I said, there's trade-offs. Another thing that I think about is 
the difference between having a pension and a 401k. So um, when you have a pension, you have that payment for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. When you have a 401k, you have X amount of dollars for as long as you live. Mm -hmm. um, so there's trade-offs there. But when you're in the middle of your career, a 401k is portable. So you can move it from one company to another. Um, but with a pension, it takes a long time for you to, <laughs> to actually see um, the fruits of your labor. And it's only transferable from one local government in Massachusetts to another. Um, I think the days of employees staying for 30 plus years has come and gone. And so it can be a hard sell for mm -hmm. people emerging into local government. Yeah, I mean, I, I see these uh, challenges. Certainly, uh, local government employees, um, it's our goal to fairly compensate people. And, you know, if you look at the total benefits package, uh, I think we do a rather good job at that. You're never going to build generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'll just let my kids know right now, they're not going to have the $10 million nest egg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, uh, when it's all said and done for me from this position. So, um, but, you know, we are fairly compensated and you can make a good living in local government. Uh, there are those trade-offs. Again, for me personally, um, pension is a challenge, right? Like, mm -hmm. so I worked for the federal government that time doesn't transfer into Massachusetts. I worked in the state of New Jersey. Um, that time will not transfer into Massachusetts. So um, I think there are some antiquated parts that we're trying to address um, in Shrewsbury uh, and maybe in a broader context. I think mm -hmm. the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and its local governments will have to evolve mm -hmm. in, in relatively short order if we're going to uh, continue to be a competitive uh, sector uh, in the economy. And we'll have to be here. Um, and the only way to have good employees is to be competitive. So I think we all need to find a way to do that um, through advocacy groups uh, and other means uh, here at the st in the state. So yeah, I mean, it's um, interesting. And, and we've put a uh, performance-based system in place in mm -hmm. Shrewsbury to make sure that uh, those employees who are working um, to, and achieving their goals can get real, I'll say individualized uh, incentives to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's something that's not very common in local government, but um, that we've focused on creating here for the right reasons. So, um, any other thoughts on local government challenges or our performance management system before we move into the final aspect of your time with us here, Christina? I could talk a lot about the performance <laughs> appraisal system if you will, if you'd like me to. What's what's your experience with that, Ben? How has it been received in town, um, and and where do you see it going? Um, so I see the performance appraisal system staying with the town. Um, it was a recommendation that came with that classification and compensation study that I referred to earlier, um, and it's been a long time coming. So. We completed that study in fall of 2019. Um, we implemented the compensation changes from September of 2019 to February of 2020, and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And we worked um, through you know March to December of 2020, drafting the performance appraisal documents and figuring out what our process would be. And we finally unveiled it to employees and um, 
December of 2020 in two virtual information sessions. And then we worked through the spring of 21 with employees and managers um, drafting their goals. And we finally signed off on those goals in June of 2021. And we've been working ever since. We're now in our second cycle. Um, I think it brings alignment through the organization. Um, and it helps our high performers. Before we moved from a longevity-based step system where the majority of our employees had met their maximum earning potential after three and a half years into a system that compensates employees based on the accomplishment of their goals that's in alignment throughout the entire organization. Yeah, it it's certainly has taken a lot of work for us to get here. It's, it's a, a big change. I think it allows us to ensure that we're performing the way we want to and uh, really be able to report those results out to residents, which mm -hmm. is just as important as our performance to help them understand what it is that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And it certainly wasn't easy and it wasn't received with open arms. So mm -hmm. no one should be, you know, assuming that happened, that people came running to us and saying, thank you for, you know, uh, going through this process, but I think everyone gets the big picture, right? Mm -hmm. Most employees understand why we're moving in that direction. It gives autonomy and um, buy-in and allows them to see how they fit into the bigger role, uh, no matter what their level is in the organization. You hear time and time again, that's what people want and that's what we're trying to do and that's what we're trying to provide employees. And Sometimes when it comes to being the best, right, you have to push the envelope and I know performance-based systems aren't radically new and employment environments but they're not that common in, in government mm -hmm. so we want to be the best so we've set out on this path and we'll continue to work at it so um why don't you we have two more questions okay what makes the human resources department the best Ooh. did you see how many times i said the just best so we can be the best local government in the world <laughs> The best human resources, they just go together. Like oh, peanut butter that's and it? jelly. Yeah. Okay, peanut butter and jelly. Yep. I think what makes human resources the best um, is the fact that we get to help every employee. We're there for you on the best day when you're receiving a promotion, and we're there for you on the worst day, whether it's personal or professional. Mm -hmm. So we get to see employees through all the highs and lows. Great. I see human resources as really uh, taking over all the responsibilities that you know are challenging and supporting employees. And I think the the Shrewsbury Way Academy is is going to be the best training mm -hmm. uh, government or local government training program. So I look forward to continue to to build that out with you um, and the entire team. So the final question. Taylor, do you want to do the final question? No, I'll do the final <laughs> question. All right. So we do a, the best question okay. because we want to be the best local government in the world. You've told us what it may be to be the best human resources department. But for you personally, what's the best time of the year? I like the fall. The fall. I like the fall in New England. Taylor? I like the fall too. Yeah. No, it's not I the like, best like, season. I like, oh, okay. It okay. doesn't time. have to be the season. Um, mm. Oh. But I would say the but fall, too. Yeah, I can too. relate it to local government. Like, some people would love 
town meeting time if you're, you know, maybe the moderator or something like that. <laughs> I like the month of June. Okay. Why because town meeting is over. Town meeting's over. Check. And we're almost at the end of our budget year. And school is almost out. And so I don't have traffic when I come into work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a, everyone calms down. It's a little bit quieter. <laughs> it is calm. I, the annual report is out and off yep. my plate at that point. I don't know. I feel like local government, it's like their hibernation the month of June. And yeah. then we go back into it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I like the month of May. So that is my birthday month. Okay. And so that's and one reason. Meeting. And it's town meeting. It's like our it's Super Bowl. It is. It is yeah. Our, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the best time of the year for me professionally is um, the fall. I really like to do the budget forecasting and looking forward and thinking about the opportunities, how to overcome challenges and starting that new cycle again. Um, it is probably one of the most hectic times though as we come off of those months that you <laughs> have both mentioned and start to get back into the thick of things. But I don't know if it's like that cycle that you get into like from education, like, you know, it's time to go back to school. And, but like that has still yeah. always stuck with me. Like. There's something new about the fall as well, mm -hmm. you know, new endeavors. But for here, you know, here in this position, it's about planning and looking forward to the to the next fiscal year. So, um, anything new or exciting that you want to talk about in the next few weeks that are going on in HR or in the next few weeks? Well, um, we'll be discussing paid family medical leave and possible amendments to the personnel bylaw. So. It'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition to make it to town meeting and then how town meeting members in the community um, will think about it. And then also we have um, the recommendations for the compensation study that has recently been completed. So there's been a lot of work that's been leading up to these two projects. And so now we're finally in the stage of making recommendations and then um, making changes. And so. Great. We're in the final stretches. That's awesome. A lot of work to get us there. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure. We've been joined uh, today by Christina Ordung, the Town of Shrewsbury's Human Resources Director, uh, here on the Town Manager Download. Just a reminder to our listeners, if you have a question or a comment, you can always reach us at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. On behalf of Taylor Galusha, I'm Kevin Mizikar. Thank you for listening to the Town Manager Download.